0: Heads up, this episode includes adult language, discussion of sex and sexual assault, and spoilers. So I always like asking, is there a detail in this film that's uh, interesting to you that we might you know, miss?
1: Um, so the swimming pool, which is a, a dick shape. The The pool in the hotel in the movie? We didn't notice that it was a dick shape until we'd already picked the hotel. And I think that is amazing.
0: you just got there and it's like perfect
1: we're like we picked the right hotel
0: that is uk filmmaker molly manning walker and that pool was perfect because her new movie is set in a world where sex is everywhere whether you're ready to plunge in or not the movie's called how to have sex and it's about a bubbly british teen named tara on a nightclubbing holiday with her girlfriends in a party town in greece her goals? To bond, dance, drink, and lose her virginity. Which should happen with a sweetheart of a guy she meets named Badger, that ends up suddenly happening on a beach one night with his aggressive pal, Patty. I've not noticed it before, but you are proper beautiful, you know? Under pressure from him, she consents to hooking up, <laughs> but it still feels like an assault. And she can't bring herself to talk about it, not to either guy, or her oblivious friends, or to anyone. I'm Rico Galliano. Welcome back to the Movie Mubi Podcast, Movies the Streaming Service, The Champions Great Cinema. On this show we tell you the stories behind great cinema. Season 5 is coming in a few weeks. Meanwhile, here's another special episode. It's my conversation with Molly Manning Walker. She has been a go-to cinematographer on acclaimed indie flicks like Scrapper, but this is her debut feature as a director and it is an auspicious one. Earlier this year, How to Have Sex won the Uncertain Regards section of the Cannes Film Festival. It was up for 13 British Independent Film Awards, including Best Film, and it won Best Actor for Mia McKenna-Bruce, who plays Tara. And the movie's showing up On movie in much of the world this week. You're going to hear us talk about Molly's fascination with faces, the sex talk we all probably need to have, and the origin of her movie, which, interestingly enough, involved a man getting exploited. First, though, I asked her which movie made her want to make movies.
1: I mean, I think the original... uh, It came quite late in my life, Prisoners got me really passionate about making films. Prisoner? Yeah, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Paul Dano in it. It was already at film school, so maybe that's the wrong answer. But Prisoners was the one that like really excited me because before that, I guess I wanted to make documentaries and I was really into sort of Molly Denine and stuff like that. And then I watched Prisoners at the cinema just went to the cinema twice to see it and got really obsessed with fiction
0: what is it about that i haven't seen that movie and one of the reasons i haven't seen it honestly is because i was told it's just utterly bleak um (laughs) i do quite like (laughs) bleak
1: films
0: (laughs) but what is it about that film that caught your eye was it thematic or visual or what
1: I, i really like the visuals in it i think there's really amazing tension building there's like empty shots of a tree or something and they could be really boring but they build tension really well in the film
0: let me ask why taking a step back why you were most interested in documentary until this movie
1: i so when i was a teenager i went to occupy which was like a political camp outside St Paul's to make a documentary well i actually went to take photographs i was into photography through school and then went to take these photographs So, you're, uh,
0: this was the occupy movement in the uk
1: yeah yeah And uh, ended up making a documentary there and then got quite obsessed with watching documentaries.
0: What made you suddenly want to take to the moving image?
1: Um, I think, I guess, in a political setting like that, there was lots to be said, and uh, maybe that single image wasn't
0: really summing it up. I think all your films have some political themes in them it's interesting to me that the very first film that you would make would be one that's capturing a political moment
1: yeah i think there was a lot of political chat in our house as a teenager and i was always like i don't want to talk about politics but i guess it really like sunk into me and yeah it's definitely influenced everything that i've done
0: obviously you've made your career as a cinematographer up until recently And it's not, you know, unheard of for a cinematographer to become a director, but you're also writing your films. And that I feel like I see less, a writer who also shoots. (laughs) Which came first for you in general, storytelling or photography?
1: I guess I've just been really interested in storytelling. I really enjoy the like storytelling down the pub, you know, like that, even that vibe. So I guess storytelling in general was always like an aim for me and an exciting thing to be involved in.
0: I am always looking for kind of formative moments. Do you remember like a, a moment being in a pub where it's like the best part of being in a pub is maybe the stories and not the beer?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't drink for six years. I just I just really love mad stories or situations that you end up in and you're telling your friends, oh, this crazy thing happened and this is how it happened. I, I quite like an adrenaline junkie so, I guess always looking for, for for a little adventure, and then it always ends in a good story.
0: Uh, how else does that manifest? Are you like a roller coaster rider?
1: I actually really don't like roller coasters unless they're in water. I don't like my head being banged around <laughs> specifically.
0: Wait, what roller coasters are water?
1: <laughs> like water rides. Oh, I see. <laughs> and also, maybe I just like trust water the more than I trust metal.
0: <laughs> um, where does this story come from? How to have sex? What's the genesis of it?
1: So I went on a bunch of these holidays when I was that age, when I was 16, 17, and recollected with some old schoolmates and realized it had quite a huge impact. Where did you go and when? What was the first holiday? We actually went to Ibiza first, which was the sort of the wrong way around to do it when we were 16. After that, probably Magaluf, Ayanape, back to Ibiza. I was really into my clubbing holidays at that time.
0: I mean, I can imagine it. You're an adrenaline junkie. These places, I mean, you can feel it in this movie. There's a scene where these women get to their hotel. They're talking about who gets the bed. And one of them is like, well, I don't plan to sleep on this holiday. (laughs) And they do basically put themselves through. It's like a physical endurance test. Yeah. Is that how it actually felt to you?
1: I guess like it felt both like the best time of our lives and also like an endurance test. You know, like half of it was like. We're really here to enjoy and like party and that's really exciting. And then there was times where you're like, oh, I don't want to carry on and it feels like you have to.
0: Well, I mean, but why, obviously there's a million things that you could write, I mean, you could have made this movie about, I don't know, Occupy also sounds like it was a formative moment in your existence. Why those, you know, holidays? I,
1: um. So when I connected with old friends, we realized that we started talking about, you know, the blowjob scene that happens in the film which we witnessed in Magaluf on a bar crawl. and we realized well at the time I remember being really shocked by it and being like unsure what everyone else was feeling but pretty sure that everyone else was enjoying the moment and then sort of at a later date when we started talking about it I realized that everyone else was also quite shocked by it mm. and I think that is really interesting this idea that we all thought that each other were enjoying it but Actually, we were all kind of covering and saying like, "Wow, best moment of our lives, best holiday ever!" You know.
0: For those who haven't seen the movie yet, can you just describe that one scene?
1: Yeah, so they go to like a day party drinking event. This sort of starts as sexual drinking games, like passing shots between mouths or drinking booze poured into their mouths from someone's bikini. Um, and as the day goes on, everyone gets more and more drunk, and it escalates. final game in the in the bar crawl is badger one of the main characters receives a blowjob on stage by multiple women and you know it's an assault as well
0: oh yeah on badger because he volunteers for this not really knowing what he's in for
1: but in the film it's sort of enjoyed by the crowd and so tara becomes quite confused She's with Badger at the time, and there's a sense that they're going to get together. She's quite confused as to where that sort of leaves her in in this sort of mission to lose her virginity.
0: Yeah, everyone's confused and freaked out, but they they kind of feel like they have to grin through it. I'll be honest, as somebody who has gone to things like Burning Man and to a lot of big festival-type things, even for me, that sequence, it was like, really? This happens? Yeah.
1: (laughs) This happens, yeah.
0: To the point where I was like, I wonder how exaggerated it is. But you're saying this is actually the genesis of your story in a way.
1: Yeah, this is sort of like a memory that I thought I'd heightened. But when I reconnected with friends, I realized that it was a really formative memory. What do you think the point?
0: (laughs) This is a larger question that goes maybe beyond, you know, (laughs) filmmaking. But a lot of movies that have affected me deeply lately are the ones that make me go, what are we doing? As a society and as a species. <laughs> With life. <laughs> yeah, like why? where did this come from and why are we doing it? Why is this the way that we're coming of age?
1: I really often think that. I wake up most mornings and be like, but we made all these rules up.
0: In this, in this case, what do you think is going on? Like where does the society, what does the society gain by making this a coming of age ritual?
1: I think what happened in that specific circumstances was that It was a bar crawl run by older but similar aged people in a party town, which started as like a sexual thing. And people, you know, were there to find other people to get with. And there was no one there to be, to reflect on it because it's kind of Mm. an alcohol fueled, teenage run town. So there was no one there to be like, hang on a second this doesn't make sense, or this is really uncomfortable for lots of people. And I guess I hadn't really reflected on how much of an impact these holidays had had on my perception of sex and consent and assault, you know?
0: This uh, the conversation sort of plays into something that I'd noticed. I, w- I went back and watched some of your shorts after watching this. And there are echoes between all of them, starting with the characters who are young women, who they experience something like this that is maybe traumatic. And actually, other things are experienced in this movie that are absolutely traumatic. And they find it really hard to get others either to talk about it or to get others to understand it. Why does that figure so prominently in your movies? I
1: think we don't speak about enough in society, specifically in British society, but I guess in other society too. We're very um, stifled by conversations around sex and intimate assault. You know, when I was assaulted when I was 16, I, I wanted to talk about it and I would walk into rooms and it would suck the air out of the room. And I was like, how are people meant to move on from these situations if you can't speak about it? So yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about like being, having space to, to talk about things that you're going through.
0: You were the person that would like finally broach the subject.
1: I think I was like annoying 16 year old most of the time, but when when, <laughs> <laughs> when the, and like quite loud and gobby and quite jarring in general, but when the assault happened, I really wanted to speak to other people about it, and they did, yeah, they really didn't want to engage with it because everyone else found it too traumatic for them. And I found that really mm. interesting.
0: It is It is interesting though, that then you went back before you made this movie and talked to them and they were willing to talk about it. You think age sort of solves a little bit of that problem? Yeah,
1: maybe. Yeah, age, but I wonder if there's also like this feeling of, they, they, it was long ago, so they feel like there's less pressure on it, on them to like solve mm. issues or something, I don't know.
0: And by the way, you also noted, and I kind of thank you for this, as a as a guy who doesn't think that men always deserve a break. I do think that it's <laughs> interesting in a lot of your movies that you you just mentioned it before. The guy who's getting the blowjob on stage is also being assaulted, yeah. uh, and so I'm grateful to you. you I think in all your movies you have male characters who are also trying to understand. Yeah, totally. You know what's going on and wish they could talk about it. Is that conscious on your part?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think for me it was really important that we don't lock men out of the conversation, that we. I don't think we can move it forward without everyone being on board and I think as much as I think it's learned behavior and you know our society wants men to act in a certain way and I think if we change that then everyone would be lots happier. I don't think it's like we should blame anyone in this situation.
0: Who? I mean, I guess is there no one to blame? Do we just is society all a situation like the blowjob scene where it's just like it's set up to be kind of fun and then it just gets out of hand and nobody goes, "Hey, this has gone too far."
1: I think the the blame is like in not stopping it and being like it's gone too far. Like, I think it's time that everyone speaks up about all of these situations, that we change sex mm-hmm. education, that we it's obviously like most women I know have been assaulted and most men I know don't, wouldn't look at themselves as assaulters. So then there's obviously a gap in understanding of what's going on. And so I think the only way to change it is by talking about these situations and realizing what other people are going through.
0: Let me ask you a little bit about your process. You didn't shoot your last short and this feature, but it is still recognizable to me from your photography work. How did you hand off that job and how easy was that for you to have somebody else shoot?
1: It was very tough for me. I mean, it's definitely the way that I've learned to be a filmmaker, you know, and it's the way I see the world in general is that I always have a camera with me. So it was very tricky for me, but we did really extensive prep together. You know, we storyboard the entire film and we talked about color palette of every scene, and yeah, I, I, my, I, I love to shoot handheld very close to faces with a shallow depth of field. <laughs> and so I guess it's not too far away from, from that.
0: Why is that? Why do you like to shoot that?
1: Um, I really like f- to shoot people's faces. And I'm, I'm, I'm always interested, like when you have an amazing actor and their eyes are doing so much, it's better than what's going on around them. (laughs) I just like, I love seeing things, information drop on people's faces, you know, like I like seeing a change in reaction. Mm. I like the real detail that a performer can give you. And I think when you see into people's eyes all the time, then you really are affected when they're affected. Um, But I think maybe it's the way I see the world in general as well is that I really like people, hanging out with people.
0: Was it uh, The the movie does have this feeling of incredible energy. Were you just kind of plunging into a pre-existing world? Like, were you there during, like, actual party time and just shooting your actors in the midst of it? Or no,
1: so, yeah, all the extras are cast. We were shooting out, out of season. None of the parties, hmm. they, were, they were they were all gone by the time we got there. It was freezing cold, so the actors going in and out of the water was <laughs> a real task. Um, well,
0: so are you actually then, to get that energy, were you throwing what was basically a party and, like... Like telling people to let loose.
1: Yeah, so we had to like t- ramp the music up, get them all dancing, then turn the music off, but keep the energy up. It was <laughs> it was chaos, to be honest. And We shot all the party scenes in the first two weeks, and I, and I I kind of didn't know what I'd put myself in for.
0: There was a lot of time. I would say maybe even more screen time in the first half of the movie dedicated to showing how fun this is. Why was that important to you? I guess.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to make too heavy a comment on party culture you know i'm some of my best moments of my life have been in party culture and and you know you can be really down and go to the club and shake it off and and yeah i i still love to club and i didn't want to be like off putting on party culture
0: it's hard not to be a little bit though after this because you do show how much fun it is but it, I mean, like the danger, and this is actually in a lot of your movies too. I feel like even in the most fun interactions, there's a little bit of danger for these women.
1: I guess that the for me, the film is about consent becoming too binary that we are obsessed with like yes and no. And actually it should be about mm-hmm. people having a good time. And there's so much opportunity in the world to be kind to each other and have a good time. And it feels like we've lost concept of that
0: well what do we do if yes or no isn't enough or we're too obsessed with it what's the solution
1: i I think that we should be able to read someone's face you know and, and understand if they're okay and if you were talking to someone and suddenly their face dropped and they looked uncomfortable or upset or you would ask them if they're okay but for some reason that there's an understanding that with sex you can just plow on and keep going and that still feels mad to me it's
0: it's almost like you're making an argument to be like a little more in touch with people more cued into them what they're doing rather than what they're saying
1: yeah totally i think there's some massive space for us to be engaged with humans more
0: molly manning walker how to Have Sex starts showing on Mubi in the UK and elsewhere this week, and it hits cinemas in the US and Canada February 2nd. Check the show notes for details. Also, indie film fans, you will be happy to know that right now, in much of the world, Mubi is showing a range of movies by none other than Finland's greatest exports and cell phones, director Aki Kaurismäki. In honor of his wonderful new Can winner Fallen Leaves, this is a sampler of his whole career, including his deadpan funny rock movie, Leningrad Cowboys Go America, and his English language, I Hired a Contract Killer, starring none other than the French New Wave's favorite son, Jean-Pierre Leo. Once again, the show notes will direct you to our retrospective. It's called How to Be Human Films by Aki Korismaki. Do check it out. Meanwhile, this episode of the movie podcast was written, hosted, and edited by me, Rico Galliano. Kira McKenna is our producer, Stephen Cologne mastered it, music by Yuri Suzuki. Thanks this week to Joe Demostrescu and to Victoria Hastings for recording, Molly. The show is executive produced by me, along with John Baronachea, F.H. Eckerell, Daniel Kasman, and Michael Taka. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, and may you stay toasty in the warm glow of a movie screen.